Hey, good morning, guys. My name is Aaron. If I've not met you, hello, and it's great to see you guys. You are a great church, and I love digging into God's word with you. We are still in Philippians chapter 1, part 7. God is showing us new things every time we get into his word. It's wonderful to see all of the truths that come out of God's word. Uh, Today, my message is called this, Living Out the Gospel, because you're going to see some just great instruction, encouragement, reminders, kind of pace-setting instructions that Paul gave the Church of Philippians, and it's going to make a difference to us today also. We're right in the middle of some incredible changes with humanity, and when the biggest changes happen, sometimes you don't even feel them happening. I mean, you just, you don't realize how significant they are. All of us, or not all of us, but many of us have lived through the digital revolution and just remember what the world was like before personal computers or we were on the early, like my life, I was on the early edge of that. And so I can remember some things that weren't computer driven. And so um, these things make huge differences. Uh, The the internet becoming available to all people and, you know, 98, 99, around there. That's made such a huge difference. Uh, we, we're in some major, major changes right now. And since 2018, there's some things that come to mind to me that are just blowing my mind is space tourism. What, what's that, that, what will that mean for humanity? It, it's really crazy to think that it's plausible in our lifetime. We're going to get launched up into the sky and land on the other side of the planet in just a few minutes. Um, I think that artificial intelligence, as, as we talked about before, that's just an a, a unbelievable challenge. And then uh, genetic editing and what that means. Um, that since 2018, that has just been uh, mind-blowing, honestly. So here's the reason why I say all of those things. That's just a, a little sample of how humanity is moving with great speed. And right now we're making incredible progress that has both promise... And challenges. Like never before, we need ancient, reliable truth by God's word. I wanted to reframe that because a lot lot of times we come up and we just say just a tired old phrase. We need God's word like never before, people. And we're like, yes, we do. But, but, But why is that a true statement? We feel that's true in our hearts. We need it like never before because, because there are changes happening all, all around us that are happening so fast we can't even perceive them. And so in order to have an anchor, there's reliable truth because what never changes is humanity and their, their, the sinfulness of humanity and the need for salvation and redemption. Uh, humankind has gone through other major changes and historically we could live and, and imagine those and what it was like for, for major changes to occur. And they will continue to occur in our future. But we have this reliable text. I just wanted to give you some context that like you showing up this morning, you watching on the other side of the screen is not just something you do. You're positioning yourself for transformation. I want you to realize that when God's word is spoken over you, and, and, and it already has today, even through, through Aubrey just speaking, leading worship with his heart, and speaking God's word over you through the music and the things he said between the songs. And when, when, we, when we go back to scripture and, 
and the results and summary of Scripture that we pray together. These things transform us. So you might think you're just kind of, you know, getting through a service and on with your day. But the Holy Spirit has other plans. So let's rely on him. Let's go to verse 27 of Philippians chapter 1. After I read this, I'll present this as a word of the Lord. And if you choose, you can say with me, thanks be to God. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or, or and as absence, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one accord contending together for the faith in the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Guys, you're going to be encouraged by several things today. Uh, you hear almost every week just to continue to give context. And for those who are coming in on the sermon series on, uh, on a new week, this was written from prison. Uh, Paul was in Rome in prison writing to a particular church in Philippians. So he's saying here, listen, I don't know if I'm going to see you again. But whether I see you again or whether I just hear about you, I'm going to challenge you to do some things. This really speaks to our lack of control about the future. We can't control the circumstances of the future, but we can control who we allow God to make us. I wish I could predict your future. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't want us to predict the future. He wants us to step into the future under his lordship, under his guidance, under, under his principles, under a pursuit of holiness. This is the future God has for you. Whatever circumstances you face, whatever circumstances we face together, there are some things we're going, going to do. Paul couldn't say, hey, I'll be there next year. He didn't know. He, he said, whether I'm going to be there next year or whether I'm going to hear about you, I want you to do these things. This is encouragement to us, guys, that we have this. We're going to live a certain way because of who we are through Jesus. None of this, hey, conditional stuff. Hey, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. No, it's God. Whatever we face, we are going to be ready. So here's my first organizational point for this passage. Characteristics of living out the gospel, here's the first one. A worthy life. A worthy life. And here, here the word citizen is used in the CSB. And I look at all the different translations, and it's interesting Two or three of them use the word citizen in this passage, and two or three of them don't. So I imagine as you're looking at your Bibles, some of you will have the word citizen, some of you won't. The reason the word is here in the CSB is because uh, the, the verb of, of what you do here was always associated with citizens. And so they went ahead and said, as citizens, and you'll see later on in chapter 3 that the word citizens will come back again. But... A worthy life, this idea of you're part of something, you're, you're, you have an identity. With that identity, there's a certain way that you live. Look again at verse 27 with me. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This, this is a great call to us. He's saying, I don't know if I'll see you again. Or I don't know if I'm going to hear, just hear about you. But I'm going to tell you this. Live your life worthy of the gospel. And, and I, I think about this. This is such an invitation to us. We, we live a certain way because we know who Jesus is. The revelation of who Jesus is, like every 242 group we attend, every women's Bible study we attend, every men's Bible study we're part of. We're like, well, what are they going to talk about? Well, Jesus. Okay, well, okay, they're going to talk about Jesus again. Well, here's the deal. Yes, we will talk about Jesus the rest of our lives and we'll still be getting insight into who he is because he has these transcendent qualities that and it's like searching in the depths of the ocean. I mean, we don't, we haven't even as human beings got to the furthest depths of the ocean, human ocean yet. That, that's a weak even analogy of what it's like to search the richness and deepness of Jesus. We're going to just keep exploring Jesus the rest of our lives and we get new insight and we just get new revelation. And that's why this week, I'm just going to speak this over you. Show up with God this week and you're going to get new insight this week. I'm just going to, I'm just going to predict it. In the next five days, if, in the next seven days, if you show up with God four to five out of seven, I'm not even going to say all seven days. I'll give you four out of five, four out of seven days. If you show up with God and, and go for seven, go for seven. And, and if, if you get four or five in, you show up with God. I'm just going to say he's going to show you something new because there's more to learn. If you've got an open heart and an open spirit. And that's why we promoted this three-stream school of theology. If you've never taken Veritas 1, you need to take it. You need to take it because it lets you know how to correctly interpret the Bible. Guys, because unfortunately, there's just a lot of goofy stuff out there. (laughs) There's a lot of goofy Christian teaching out there. What a gift that you can get get seminary-level training right here at our church just for just for $45 or whatever the case is. So, but th- this is not the issue. This is not the issue today. We're not trying to promote a program as much as we're giving you an invitation, an invitation to, to go deeper. There's deeper things. Living a life worthy of the gospel. Now, Jesus was really, he, he was really demanding. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, that's one thing about Jesus. Sometimes we create Jesus in our own image, but like he really calls people out. And, and, and following him and to count the cost. Let's look at our gospel reading today out of Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 57. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, that's to Jesus, and here, here, here's a popular thing to say, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. You know, words are so cheap. Words are so, words feel so good, but they're so cheap. And so Jesus, by, he was God, and so he was able to discern how to respond in this situation. And Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man, that's Jesus, has no place to lay his head. Well, that's not a very appealing place to go for most people. Jesus is saying, follow me, I've got insecurity for you in this life. Then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. So this was probably not the two or three days between a death and burial. He's just saying, hey, my dad's old. Let me, let me wait until he passes away first. But Jesus, knowing his heart, knew that was an excuse and not him, you know, following a responsibility. And so he went on to say, uh, Jesus said, let the dead 
bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God going on. Another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me say goodbye to those at my house. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, that, I want you to focus on that phrase, fit for the kingdom of God. Now we're going back to our passage today that says, live a life worthy of the gospel. So here it is. We're so paranoid about hell that we're just always trying to get people, just make us feel better uh, and tell us you're a Christian and raise your hand and repeat these words and sign this card and walk this aisle. And, you know, that sometimes makes us feel psychologically better. But I want to tell you something. We don't follow Jesus to avoid a place called hell. We follow Jesus because he is worthy and he is worth giving our whole lives to. It's not like, Jesus, I'm going to raise my hand at the end of the sermon just in case it's real. It's no, Jesus, your way is so great, it's worth giving everything up for. I mean, that's what the kingdom of God is. It's the treasure that was found in a field. And this guy found a treasure in the field. And he's like, this is so valuable. I'm going to sell everything I can to get that field. Why, why would you sell everything for that field? Because there's a treasure buried there. I'm going to tell you, this is, this is our passion for Jesus. Like, and I want you to turn the focus of your faith away from avoidance. I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid hell. I'm trying to avoid consequences. I'm trying to avoid being pushed out and be a, a person of pursuit. I found something greater than my career. I found something greater than romance. I found something greater than wealth. I found something greater than popularity and fame. And it is the transformation of Jesus in my life. He is worth giving everything up. And that's why I don't like preaching that like makes people, I don't like preaching that makes people doubt their salvation. You know, I say that a lot. But I also know this, is that salvation is not cheap and salvation is not easy. Salvation is worth everything. We respond with everything because Jesus does for us what we can't do for ourselves. And I love the energy, the energy of, of teenagers and children. We, we have um, summer camps. We've ended, ended them this year. And they are so much fun. Summer camps are so much fun. And summer camps all... Kids camp and youth camp, and even, even I see some Christian colleges, because I'm associated with some Christian colleges, they, they have this little trick they all do. They divide the students into teams, and they say, this is the red team, the yellow team, the blue team, the green team, and we're going to fight for a prize at the end of the week. So I've seen this happen for children, teenagers, and college students this very summer. And our children's camp, called Camp Blast, it was so good this year. Pastor Faith, our children's pastor, is doing an amazing job with the kids. And she had a whole team. I won't name everybody who just did, did such a great job with her. And, and looking on the pictures on Facebook and hearing the stories, these kids and their leaders, not just the kids and the leaders, they gave everything for the prize. I mean, they went for the prize. And guys, guess what the prize was? It was a golden shovel. That's all it was. Now, it was a golden shovel, not a real golden shovel. In fact, let me see this thing. This thing right here. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, dehydration, skinned knees. I mean, I mean, 
people giving everything for this golden shovel. Now, you, you would think this golden shovel, I saw that it was being painted out back behind our offices by Pastor Faith. We have another employee in our church, our office manager, Corey Fuller. She's a lot of fun. She sings up here every once in a while. She went to camp as a volunteer, as a parent. She was a team leader. She won. She took down some of the art on our wall. And in our receptionist area, since June, this has been hanging in the CIL receptionist area. That's how much this meant. The golden shovel, okay, or the fake golden shovel. Uh, at Fuge Camp, that Mauricio, Mauricio's down here. Hey, if Mauricio's low key today, it's because he did six nights of camps with the kids, man. And so, yeah, yeah, so he's out. Uh, you know, he's just, you know, he, he's not quite, quite back where he, he, he needs to be yet. I mean, the guy is like 32 years old, man. I'm telling you, man, youth ministry in your 30s is tough. But you're, you're doing it good. You're doing a good job. Uh, they, the, the, these students at Fuge, they fought with everything in their heart for the golden goose. Is that what, that's what it was? The golden chicken. The golden chicken. And so it's like this whole thing, paint something gold and people go crazy for. So this idea of, of man, I want that. And because I want that, I want the, not the shovel, but I want the recognition. I want the pride. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to go for it. Guys, here's a second organizational point. We're going to talk about living a life where we're engaged, an engaged life. And, and I want to I concentrate on the word contending, contending. Go to the rest of verse 27 now. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one accord. I love this phrase here, contending together for the faith of the gospel. Contending suggests that, that you're protecting something and promoting it. So part of, part of protecting something is promoting it. So we're contending for the gospel. We're protecting the things. We're protecting the church from sin. We're protecting the 242 group from disunity. I mean, that's something, that's, that's when you're contending for the gospel. When you don't allow inappropriate gossip to happen at the women's Bible study, you're contending for the gospel. You're, you're, you're contending for the purity of the message. You're contending for, for one spirit, a spirit that glorifies God in the worship service. You're protecting something by promoting something. And you're saying this is important. Guys, listen, we put so much effort for things like golden shovels or golden watches back in the old, in the 80s in the corporate world. You get a golden watch when you retired. And you, 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 we put so much effort into these things that we want. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, I want you to continue. I want you to contend together. I want you to fight for something that really matters. I'm not talking about a kind of a, kind of a, fighting, uh, a fighting metaphor that we use sometimes that gives us an excuse to sin in the name of Jesus. Because that's one of the things we use with the fighting metaphor. We're going to fight and then we're just mean and rude and un-Jesus-like. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about protecting and promoting that which really matters. And, and, and I'm telling you, I'm calling some of you to contend for the gospel. Some of you are just like, eh, church is all right, Jesus is all right, God's okay. But there's, where's that contending spirit? Fight through sleepiness. Fight through the desire to drift. Fight through that little voice in you that says you, tells you tithing's not important or being in a small group's not important. Or taking someone a meal when they're sick's not that big of a deal. Or just feeling bad for someone 
is just as good as actually sending them a text or thank you card. Sometimes we think that we're really ministering to people because we just feel bad for them. But we don't take the next step to actually minister to them. I'm telling you, contend for these things. Contend together, not contend together and just say, hey, we're going to uphold that which is important. We're going to uphold that which is, that matters. We're going to live a life worthy of the gospel and we're going to contend together. I'm amazed at the energy of kids. Kids are awesome. Have you ever seen kids and, and if you haven't, yeah, you've seen kids. I know that. Okay, let me complete that thought before I go to the next one. Have you ever seen kids running around in our church lobby? I mean, it's amazing. As, as, as the afternoon drifts and people go to their cars, there's, we love this. You know, some families just kind of linger in fellowship and kids start running like crazy. I mean, we kind of love it. Sometimes it can be dangerous and everything, but, uh, but we love the whole concept of it. And the energy these kids have. I mean, I've been watching this for 14 years here at this church. And, and some of those kids that had that energy, now they're, they're young parents now, or they're doing things like that now, but they're running around like crazy. So we're, we're this, this energy they have, they have so much energy. And, and sometimes I'll see these kids running around. I'll go back to my office. You know, I'll fix me a drink. I'll print something. You know, I'll say hi to someone. I'm gone 10, 15 minutes. Come back out. And there's some black couches out there. The same kids who were running like crazy look like they had the best sleep ever. They're just like passed out, comatose. They're passed out just like so, so asleep. And I'm like, I've gone from saying, thinking, I wish I had their energy to now, I wish I could sleep like that. That's so great. So then I, I leave the lobby again. And I go say hi to the nursery people, do some other things around the building. I come back and it's like they've been resurrected again. They're alive again, 15 minutes later. And they're like running again. And, and this idea, they just bounce back so quick. I love that about kids and, and really a great definition of health. If you ever want a good definition of health, it's this, energy, right? Yeah, the more health we have, the more energy that we have. So I love that. I wonder if sometimes there's a lot of reasons Jesus said that we, need, we needed to be like children. But one of the things I love about children is how resilient they are. Man, they bounce back. They may fade out fast, but they, fa- they bounce back even quicker. And one of the things I love about kids spiritually is how quick they forgive. Man, my, my, my kids, they forgave me so quick growing up. And why is it that like, like we learn not to forgive as qu- quickly as we get older? But kids, most kids forgive you really quick unless they've learned it or maybe they have a unique personality. But most kids forgive really quick. I love that kind of quick to say, hey, it's okay. Let's move on. Let's restore the relationship again. Here's my third organization of the scripture, a resilient life a resilient life. And this is our call to respond to suffering. Verse 29 says this, for I have been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. That's verse 30. So here, did, sorry I didn't include verse 30. That's, that's, that's not the media team's fault. That's my fault. I've been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So this idea, this idea, actually, hold on guys. I'm a little, I'm a little bit out of order. That's okay. That's right. The Lord, the, the Lord's going to bring the sermon to an end here. This idea that, that when we suffer, we suffer is that we are prepared for whatever challenges that come our way. 
This is a theme, our, 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 the title of the series is called Joyful, Being Full of Joy. And I think part of being full of joy is by living in a realistic way on this earth. To, to be ready for every season that comes, every challenges that comes. To know that when those seasons come and those challenges come, that we are ready for whatever faces us. And this is one of the things the Lord is doing in us today. I, I want to tell you this, is that the future is a little more unstable than it's ever been before. It's a little more unstable than it's ever been before, but that's not a reason to be in distress. That is not a reason to doubt God. That's not a reason to shrink back. That's not a reason to lose our confidence. In fact, we should have even more confidence. And now I want to go back to verse 28, and I get out of sequence, and I apologize for that, but this is a good place to end this. Here's an interesting scripture. It says this, This is verse 28. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. Now, this is one of those scriptures that when I first read it, I went, oh, man, I don't really know what this means. So, Lord, can I just skip this part of the scripture? But no, here it goes. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. This is from God. Now, this is an awkwardly stated scripture. And so... For me, whenever I don't fully understand a scripture, the first place I go is to the New Living Translation, which is a beautiful, beautiful thought-for-thought translation of the Bible. So now I want you to see the same scripture in the NLT. It says it this way. Don't be intimidated anyway by your enemies. So don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Now, this is, this is now point three. I know I went out of sequence, and that was my mistake. Point three is God's calling us to be confident, a confident life, not frightened, a confident life, not frightened. So, guys, we're big sports people, a lot of us here. We know this. And one of the things I do not like about modern sports, there's a whole list of them, is the taunting, right, taunting that happens all the time. So, you know, if a guy breaks away in basketball or football, he may, like, wave as he goes and dunks the basketball or he crosses the end zone. I don't like that taunting. One thing that is just irritating me more than anything is the taunting, the shush. Y'all seen that? Like when an opposing uh, team scores and the crowd gets down low and they go shh. I'm like, guys, this has been for 10 years, okay? Come up with a new taunt. So don't use the shush, okay? But there is one taunt that is really interesting. Is if the game is getting really competitive and one team is ahead of the other, and there's no way that team's going to come back, and sometimes the players can get chippy and they can push a little extra or they can shove a little extra or they could even celebrate even though they're down by 10 runs in baseball or they're down 30 points in football, whatever the case is. And a really good taunt is when you just point to the scoreboard, right? You just point to the scoreboard and you say, look at the scoreboard here. I thought about this, of the confidence that we have in our future. We move into the future with great confidence, knowing that, that, that Jesus has already won the victory and he will win the victory. Now, this is not, I'm not talking about an arrogant pride. I'm talking about a confidence from within us that, know, that knows this, that when persecution comes, when opposition comes, when hard seasons come, when hard times come, and when those who are, are walking 
in wickedness with the enemy begin to taunt us, we can know that this, the confidence we have in persecution, the confidence we have when, when we are talked bad about, the confidence we have when people falsely accuse us, this is a sign that we're in the Lord's will and the Lord's truth and we're moving, we're moving by salvation into what he's done. I want you to stand with me if you're able to. I want us to move to a time of ministry. And I want you to look look at that NLT scripture one more time. Put up Philippians 1.28. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. I want to pray for those of you who feel under attack right now. You feel under attack. Maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it's right in your own home. Maybe you, you, you live with unbelievers who just, just ridicule you for going to church, for watching a church service. Uh, maybe you're at a place that's hostile to truth, that's hostile to uh, the things of the Lord. And, and I want you to see the, the Lord brought you here today to give you confidence. You're not alone. First of all, you're part of a family. You're part of the church. You're part of a collection of people who believe certain things. We are the church, which means we believe the things God's people have always believed about Jesus. We don't make up new truth. We don't follow new trends to our own, you know, our own satisfaction. We move in a faith that has been always with us and will always be with us. And if others around you don't accept that, I want you to be confident in your faith anyway. I want to pray for those of you who your whole, everyone in your friend group has turned away from the Lord. I want to pray for those of you who, who your spouse has turned away from the Lord and maybe you're the only one that knows it. Maybe he doesn't or she doesn't even know that you recognize that. I want you to know that those who, those who um, demean your faith, those who belittle your faith, the Lord's going to give you confidence and he's going to give you confidence to know who your God is. He's going to give you confidence to know the calling that's upon you. You are going to live a life worthy of the gospel. You're going to contend for the gospel. We're going to live a life worthy and we're going to contend for the things that are valuable, the things that matter. We're not going to shrink back for that. And we're going to have confidence in the face of opposition so that we can say our God, our God, has done great things for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you encourage your people today. I pray, Lord, for a stirring. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're snatching, Lord, you're snatching people's hearts away from from places of evil, Lord. You're you're taking people away from places of indecision and you're, you're firmly placing them in a place of faith. God, I pray that you would strengthen the faith that is in people today. I thank you, Lord, that even if, as we come to the table of the Lord today, I pray that you would renew all the good things of the Lord. I pray you would renew all the good things of the faith. And, and, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we'll renew our covenant with you this day. We'll renew our covenant with you this day. And we'll, we'll, we'll begin to see, Lord, that your ways are right. Your ways are good. I thank you for a recentering today in the name of Jesus, a recentering on the things of the Lord. I thank you, God, that you're making all things new in the name of Jesus. You're making all things new in the name of Jesus. You're renewing things for the purposes of the Lord.